All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night, early Saturday morning, as we uh, we are all grieving after this loss. This was a uh, this was really bad for the Denver Nuggets, uh, but honestly, not really unexpected in any way, shape, or form. To be frank, uh, when you have three guards go down, especially three playmaking guards that you rely on with your two-man game with Nikola Jokic, things become pretty difficult. And when you're relying on two players that you just signed over the last couple weeks, things get pretty difficult. Uh, the Nuggets, they they let go of the rope tonight against the Golden State Warriors. The final score was closer, or it was it was closer than the final score indicates, uh, but the final was Golden State 119. Denver 97. Uh, this was a, a narrative building game in some respects for people with regard to the MVP race, with people trying to figure out what to do about Denver. But the big story of this one, you can't go without, you, you can't even go 40 seconds into this podcast, frankly, without talking about Will Barton. Will Barton goes down in the first minute of the game, later find out it's a right hamstring strain. He is going to have an MRI on that right hamstring tomorrow, uh, on Saturday. And we're going to see how that goes because the the way he reacted, the way uh the way he described it to Michael Malone and, and sort of the vibe around the the quick uh the quick designation that he wasn't going to return to this one, it seems like this was a pretty bad injury. And that is not a really good sign for a team that's already without Jamal Murray, a team that already lost Monte Morris to a hamstring strain. Now Will Barton goes down, and Denver's left with a uh, a dearth of playmaking talent at the guard positions, is what I will say. Faku Campazzo, P.J. Dozier, Shaquille Harrison, Austin Rivers, and Marcus Howard. Those are now the only guards on the roster that are healthy. And you start to look at that and you start to realize, okay, maybe this wasn't the best game for Denver to evaluate just how they were going to play offensively, how that looks like. Taking away Will Barton, you start to realize how how important he was and how important his outside shooting and playmaking are and, and just being able to survive in some of those instances. So uh, that that really shaped this game completely. Uh, the entire rest of the game after he went down was gross and frankly ugly offensively. Denver shot 13 of 46 from three as a team. That's 28%. Discounting the fact that Michael Porter Jr. shot 7 of 14 from three by himself, he tried to elevate the three-point profile of this team by himself because the rest of the team shot 6 of 32, 18% from three. And there's just not a lot of playmaking out there. There's not a lot of competent shooting. Uh, not a lot of guys that can create their shot pretty consistently and create shots for others. It all sort of falls on Nikola Jokic. But he was also double teamed all night. You would think that he would be creating shots for guys that, that they would be pretty open, that they would be able to take advantage of that because he's one of the only scoring threats. Uh, but they... The Golden State Warriors did a really great job of sitting in the gaps, making sure that nothing was easy at the rim. He forced uh, the, They forced him to pass the ball around the perimeter and to try to create threes for guys, and, and then they baited Denver's other shooters to shoot. 
And as long as it wasn't Michael Porter Jr., they felt pretty good about their chances. And so just going through the box score here of, of all of Denver's shooters outside of Michael Porter, Faku Campazo goes 1 of 7. Jokic goes 0 of 3. Uh, Aaron Gordon goes 2 of 5. He, decent decent night from 3 for him, but he was really the only one outside of Porter. Paul Millsap goes 0 of 2. Jamichael Green, 1 of 5. Uh, P.J. Dozier, 1 of 4. Austin Rivers, 0 of 3. And Shaq Harrison didn't attempt one. He's not a shooter. Uh, you could really tell that the Nuggets were feeling the the stone-cold grip of not having any floor spacing. And that is one of the main tenets of a Nikola Jokic offense is that you have to space the floor properly. And if Denver's not able to do that, things are going to get ugly. And, and they got really ugly tonight. I thought that Draymond Green played really well against Nikola Jokic. I thought that Kevon Looney played really well against Nikola Jokic. Sometimes Jokic hit shots, but... Most of the time, they didn't really give him an opportunity to go to work. When he was dribbling, they never let him get to the middle of the paint. They always put people in front of him and basically had four people uh, dedicated to guarding him or guarding kind of the painted area and all the cutters around it. Uh, Then they would close out for three-point shooters after the fact, but it kind of ruined Denver's flow. And that that was a really, really tough thing. It wasn't just the shooting, though. Uh, I'll talk about the defense more in the second segment, but zero off, zero offensive rebounds for Nikola Jokic. Uh, Looney and Draymond, they did an excellent job on him. Uh, six offensive rebounds for Denver total. So even though they were kind of packing the paint a little bit, they couldn't capitalize with those second-chance opportunities that they usually get. Michael Porter Jr. had zero rebounds on the offensive end. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I think, had two. Uh, yeah, he had two. But nobody else in the starting lineup had any. Uh, Paul Millsap had one. Jamichael Green had two. Shaq Harrison had one. And that was it. That was it for Denver's rebounding. They got out-rebounded 52 to, f- 52 to 36. And when you're losing the efficiency battle as much as Denver is, they had to find ways to kind of create other opportunities for scoring. And they got to the line 20 times. That was good. They shot a lot of threes, but they didn't make enough of them. Uh, it was just a really ugly night. And and offensive rebounding was a, was a part of that. They weren't able to do that either. Uh, when the bench came in, though, that was really when it was curtains. Uh, Austin Rivers tonight, he's in a really tough position. You don't want to blame him or anything, really, for what he was doing. But when he was on the floor, Denver had a 77.6 offensive rating. And that's not his fault. I thought that there was a lot around him that was really, really bad. Like, when you're when you, the lineup that you're playing with is generally Shaq Harrison, uh, Michael Porter, Jamichael Green, and Paul Millsap, there's not a lot of room to operate. And especially for a team like Golden State that's very comfortable switching, they're just going to try to press you as much as possible. They don't care if you go into the post. They're just going to fight and battle as much as they can. Uh, they had the playable size tonight to combat what Denver did. Kevon Looney is very physical. Draymond Green, obviously physical. Andrew Wiggins is 6'8". Uh, Kelly Oubre is 6'8". 
they had Juan Toscano Anderson, who's really good. I, I really like Juan Toscano Anderson. He does a lot of great things for that team. Uh, and they were just very physical with Denver and never gave them any opportunities to attack the paint, forcing them into jump shots, and the bench couldn't hit them. Michael Porter saved them a little bit in that fourth quarter with some hot shooting. Uh, he was, again, the only guy who really had it going on that end. Uh, but even he struggled at times, and it, it wasn't perfect with him. He did have 26 points. Uh, it took him 18 shots to get there. Still pretty good efficiency. Not going to argue with it at all. Um, Paul Millsap had a good stat line production-wise, but I thought he and Jamichael Green were just problematic on both ends. Uh, Denver has been going with this 4-5 combo for much of uh, the time that JaVale McGee has been here. When they have a second night of a back-to-back, that's when JaVale McGee plays. He usually takes over for uh, Paul Millsap, but there's only been one time where Jamichael Green has sat in favor of JaVale McGee, and I don't remember if it went well or not, but uh, the problem with Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green and I've, I've stated this pretty consistently. They are not quick enough to keep up on the perimeter, and they're not big enough to make a, a massive impact on the boards, on the rebounding side of things and, and the, the interior side of things when other teams are going small. Uh, they're not fast enough, and you saw that pretty consistently with this group. Uh, the Warriors, they shot 38.5% from three tonight. It felt like they shot 50%. Uh, they hit 15 threes, took a lot of them. Uh, it just felt like they were creating a lot of shots and leveraging Denver as much as possible. Because when Denver had to get out there, Draymond Green, among others, would, would pick them apart. And Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green, they're just not quick enough to handle that. I'm not even sure... Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon are quick enough to handle it when they're next to Nikola Jokic either. And we'll talk about that in the second segment. But there's not enough dynamic creation ability offensively between Millsap and Green. Uh, they can't do it as scorers. And often it really is as like pick and pop threats or kick out threats. And it's very, uh, it's very much just a, a thing of whether they're shooting well or not. And if they didn't shoot well tonight, and that, that really puts a lot of pressure onto the guards. Uh, JaVale McGee probably wouldn't hurt things. I don't think he would have been good against Golden State, but he would have at least put some pressure on the offensive glass a little bit. Denver wasn't going to shoot well with uh, Millsap and Green out there, so they might as well get JaVale out there to try to create some offensive rebounds. Uh, it was it was really ugly, guys. Uh, offensively, that was that was one of the worst performances the Nuggets have had in a long time, and that is not a good sign. Uh, because it doesn't look like they're going to get healthy anytime soon. So this might be the group that they're stuck with. They're going to have to figure things out. Uh, <laughs> pretty downer segment, but we're going to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about whether this is just a, a matchup issue with the Nuggets. But first, um, well, actually, no, I'm not going to do a read, because uh, Masvidal and Usman, they, uh, they put on a show. They are their their Hitting out, hitting each other right now. Uh, but DraftKings Sportsbook is the official partner of this podcast. 
and we love them. They're they're great. Make sure to go sign up with DraftKings. Uh, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS uh, for all of your gambling needs and, and desires. Uh, you can get some free bets. You can get some free cash. Uh, they do a good job of, of taking care of you and turning your bets into big winnings. So make sure to do that. Use code MHS to let them know that you came from us. Uh, for a limited time, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. and roll Ryan Blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in even though it's after a loss and I'm sure that people aren't gonna want to aren't gonna want to listen to this one but I I'm, I am gonna talk about this I I want to put down the caveat that the nuggets they didn't gear up for the Warriors when they made the Aaron Gordon trade if they wanted to defend the Warriors then they would have kept around Gary Harris they care about the Lakers and Things haven't really worked out for them ever since. But this is a team in the Golden State Warriors that really is unguardable from the Denver Nuggets side of things. That's going to be my take on this, that as Denver traded away their quick guards, the guys that can keep up with Curry off ball, that can be smart and switch and do the things that they need to do, uh, this is a really tough matchup for Denver now. Because they got bigger. They wanted to go bigger so that they could face a team like the Los Angeles Lakers. You have to play small when you're playing the Warriors. And it doesn't help right now that Steph Curry is basically unguardable at this point. There is nothing that anybody can do. Faku Campazo, I thought he did a mostly good job for the first three quarters. He frustrated him a little bit. Uh, Curry had to work really hard for his shots. And... He got a lot of shots off, and, and he did reasonably well. Uh, but Faku also did a reasonable job on him. So it's it was hard to, like, like I think Curry had seven points at the half, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So most of the production came in the second half, and I think a lot of it came when Faku kind of wore down a little bit, when Denver started feeling the added effects of Barton kind of being out of there. Uh, it wasn't a good situation for Denver, and I don't think it's a problem at this stage in their careers, at this stage in, in their in their organizational tenure. Uh, here's the, the players that, that Curry had to go through. Shaq Harrison, who was a great defender, did a really nice job on Curry, I thought, uh, or as good as can be expected. I don't remember whose pocket he picked, but Shaq Harrison at one point in the second quarter got a really, really nice steal that was basically a, a pick six. Uh, you're you're familiar with it if you if you follow Gary Harris at all. You, you poke the ball free, grab it, and then dunk it. Grab it, then get a layup on the other end. It's basically free points created by defensive presence. And Shaq Harrison does that, 
Gary Harris did that a lot. This could be a good thing for Denver going forward. Uh, P.J. Dozier was fine on Steph Curry. I didn't feel like P.J. had a lot of possessions on him. Austin Rivers struggled a little bit, to be clear, uh, but this was his second game in a Nuggets uniform. He had been not playing for over a month, and obviously he, he talked about in the Portland game how he had a lot of time to reflect. He wants to be good for this Nuggets team. He's going to commit on both ends of the floor. I didn't sense any... Uh, I didn't sense it wasn't for lack of effort from anybody. There's a little bit of execution stuff. There's a little bit of just kind of know your personnel, know what the Warriors are going to do kind of things. But most of it is just Steph Curry is unguardable, and you have to take a, take away everything else, and Denver couldn't really do that. Um, it wasn't all the guards' fault, though, and, and I think that the bigs here are really the issue because Denver's defense in this matchup with Porter, Gordon, and Jokic on the floor it's just never going to be good. Those guys are too big and too slow. Even Aaron Gordon at times. They're never going to be good in a matchup against Steph Curry where you have to move and cut and run and defend like hell. And it's not about just keeping the strong, keeping the guy in front of you with your strength. It's about keeping the guy in front of you with your quickness and there are very few players in the NBA that can guard Steph Curry and and having the combination of Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon out there, that's just not a good formula for defense against this particular team. Uh, it could be a matchup issue. It could just be like that could just be how things are in this matchup against Steph Curry. Unless Denver finds a two guard that, in my opinion, can shoot like Will Barton and can defend like Shaq Harrison. Uh, if there is a guy like that, that was peak Gary Harris is how I would describe it. But uh, I, I don't know if that player exists that Denver can acquire. Um, they're going to have to hope that P.J. Dozier can turn into something because that may be their only hope at this point. It's not just Curry, though, because Draymond Green, he takes this matchup to another level. 19 assists tonight is insanity. It's really, really good, and and he earned them. Uh, he's not as good of a passer as Nikola Jokic. I, I don't believe that. I think that he does a really nice job of leveraging Steph's movement. Uh, and when you can do a DHO with Curry and then have him pull up from 30 immediately after receiving the ball, that's one of those assists where, look, it's it's that's all Curry. Uh, but there are a lot of them where... It's Draymond, and where he uses Steph's movement to then create a cut for somebody else, create a three for somebody else. Jokic does this a lot with Murray. Uh, when when Murray and Jokic are out there running the two-man game, uh, Draymond may do it even better. And if they had Klay Thompson, if they still had uh, just another lethal shooter at this point, then it might be even better. Uh, but right now, they're, they're doing it with Andrew Wiggins, uh, Kelly Oubre, who shot really well tonight, Jordan Poole, uh, he's pretty good, and Juan Toscano-Anderson, who's pretty good. Uh, they did it in a variety of different ways, and it's it just stands out just how even if they, if they had more talent than this, like the requisite talent that they used to have, uh, they'd be a championship contender for sure. Um, 
But yeah, Steph is a magician, moving and cutting and creating shots for himself and the balance that he creates. It's insane. Um, If Denver ever has to face Golden State in a high leverage situation, they're going to have to downsize in a lot of those cases. Maybe they start with Porter, Gordon, and Jokic on the floor. But most of the time, they're going to have to go with three guards. They're going to have to go with, uh, when he's healthy, Jamal Murray, uh, and then two other guards that I don't know who they are right now. Uh, Then they'll have to go with one of Porter or Gordon, and then they'll go with Jokic. And they're just going to have to chase Curry. They're just going to have to figure it out, and that's going to be tough. So keep that in mind for future seasons. Uh, I know that Nuggets fans, like, Denver traded for Aaron Gordon so that they could match up with the Lakers and Clippers better. It gave them some vulnerabilities against teams with elite guards. Nobody is better at kind of leveraging that than the than the Curry Warriors. Like, it's just not going to not gonna fly. Um, okay, let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to talk about how the Nuggets can survive in this really tough circumstance. We will be right back. back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in uh, if you can leave a rating review uh, on itunes apple podcasts or just subscribe or follow me wherever you get your podcasts and just spread the word that would be awesome uh, things are once again looking bleak folks uh it, it's not great uh, i want to talk about what denver can do what they're going to look like uh, will barton is going to get an mri on his hamstring tomorrow to see how severe things are, but you can't rush back hamstring injuries. Uh, obviously, you can't rush back an ACL tear, so Denver's just going to be without Murray. They're probably going to be without Monte and Will for at least a while. Will especially, because I think Monte's was just a little bit of a tweak, and they're just being cautious. Will, it sounded pretty serious, so we are going to have to wait for word on this injury. Uh, I am concerned, and especially now that Denver's guard rotation, it's just extremely thin. Uh, They won four games in a row, but this was just an embarrassing loss to Golden State that really killed the vibe. It really exposed how difficult Denver's rotation is right now to manage. Uh, They're going to have to recover. They're going to have to survive. And how do you do that when you're starting Falco Campazzo and probably P.J. Dozier? It's going to be tough. Denver was in a situation where their starting unit needed to space the floor a little bit better. Faku, Will Barton, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. That was already a lineup that I didn't really like the spacing of it. Now that you take out Barton, who's a 38% shooter on high volume, uh, you just lost him. He's a guy that, like, he's, he's confident in shooting. He won't be the guy that Like, he might shoot you out of a game here or there, but teams have to respect him because they know he is going to shoot. And when you do that, it opens up the rest of the floor. I don't, like, they they know that P.J. is probably going to shoot. They know that P.J. Dozier will probably take shots. They know that Austin Rivers will probably take shots. 
but can they be 38% guys? Uh, P.J. Dozier before tonight was a was at 32.5%, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he shot one of four tonight. He, that's, that's going down. Uh, Austin Rivers just got here. Uh, he is a good shooter, but he's a career kind of 34% shooter type. So how much better can he get than that? We're going to have to see. Who replaces Will Barton? Especially in the starting lineup, because PJ, I think, I think is a good option for continuing to run two-man game with Nikola Jokic, because that's kind of what they've built themselves on. Uh, but now that you don't have Murray to run two-man game, now that you don't have Morris to run two-man game, and now that you don't have Barton to run two-man game, it's going to be really interesting to see how Denver orients their offense. Are they going to put Nikola Jokic more in the post? Are they going to have him pick and pop with Faku and just try to rain hellfire on teams? What are they going to do? How are they going to create those shots? What is it going to look like? I have a lot of questions. Do they go big? Do they Instead of going with Barton, Dozier, Harrison, or Rivers, do they go big with the starting unit and play Aaron Gordon at the two and MPJ at the three, and then maybe you go Jamichael Green at the four or something like that? Maybe you go Zeke Naji. Wouldn't surprise me if Denver decided they needed a, another shooter out there. Does MPJ just start taking a bunch of threes? He took 14 tonight. That was a career high. His previous career high was 12, where he only made one of those 12 against the Boston Celtics. So this is progress. He made seven tonight. Somehow he raised his average, which is insanity, after shooting 14 threes. Uh he is as talented of a shooter as I have ever seen, other than Curry. I don't even know if he can handle that. Like, it's his second season. <laughs> I, I don't know how he can do that and whether that's something that he's going to be able to do consistently. Uh, he's going to have to find a way to be more creative with the basketball. He's going to be a playmaker for his teammates. He's got to find a way. Uh, MPJ does. Jokic has to find a way. The bench unit, they need to find more comfortable shots than they've received lately. Uh, everything feels difficult right now with that bench group. It certainly seems like Denver is just, they're trying to come up with a defensive unit to play against opposing benches to make sure they're not mitigating points, to make sure they're not leaking points and giving Jokic time before he has to come back in. Uh, and yeah, it makes sense. I get it, but it's also tough when the starting unit is now as flawed as it is. You've got to find ways to create offense. you got to score points, and it can't just be relying on Jokic and MPJ to try to score 50 points every night. They will if you surround them with the right pieces, but that may not happen either. Paul Millsap is now down to 35.8% from three this year, which is... Slight, like I think it's average. Might be slightly below average. Jamichael Green is at 40.4% from three. That's pretty good. But he's also a very hot and cold shooter who has a lot of games where he gets 50%, 66%. Has a lot of games where he goes over or goes one of five like he did tonight. I'd like to see JaVale McGee. I would like to see them utilize another rim runner so that they can put pressure on the rim that way. 
I think that it would help them. I think that they probably need that. They need to, instead of having to rely on Austin Rivers to isolate, P.J. Dozier to isolate, Paul Millsap to post up, Michael Porter to just create out of nowhere, they need to have more structure. They need to find a system and a play, a concept that they can go to over and over and over again that creates shots in different ways. I think that could be the Faku Compazzo, JaVale McGee pick and roll, where you stagger Faku with the second unit, or maybe just bench him and put him with the second unit. You could start P.J. Dozier and Austin Rivers. I think that Denver could definitely do that. Then you have Faku with the second unit, have MPJ run with him as well at the three, go with Jamichael Green at the four, JaVale McGee at the five, Shaq Harrison at the two. Could be worse. Could definitely be worse. Um, I don't think you lose anything defensively with that group. But I'd also like to see them find a way to add another shooter. Could be Zeke Naji, as I mentioned before. He's probably the guy to go with. He's at 39% from three. But he's also the same position as MPJ and Aaron Gordon. And then if you put him out there, are you taking out Paul Millsap? I, I assume that Paul won't play on the second night of a back-to-back tomorrow night. Are you starting Zeke Naji so that you can create some more threes? Putting MPJ at the two? Uh, Aaron Gordon at the two, whoever you want to call it? Denver can't just insert Zeke Naji without taking somebody out. They'd be changing their rotation pretty drastically. It would get pretty weird. It might work, especially against the Houston Rockets, who are not a talented team and they are very injured. But Denver needs to find a solution. They need to do it quickly. Denver's next five games are Houston on Saturday, Memphis on Monday, New Orleans on Wednesday, Toronto in a back-to-back on Thursday, and then the Clippers on next Saturday, May 1st. They can go 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one in that stretch, even if they're, they have as many injuries as they do. The real question becomes, if they go 2-3, and three, if they go 1-4, and four, I wouldn't blame Nikola Jokic for that. Other people might. Other people may say, you, have to, you just have to survive. If the Nuggets suddenly find themselves in a 5-seed as opposed to the 4-seed, that could be an issue. They don't have to go a long way in order to get a top six seed and stay away from the play-in tournament. Like I think their their magic number there is nine, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to have to see how they handle this because they've got to bank some wins. And this stretch right here is the easiest stretch that they have these next four games. Houston, Memphis, New Orleans, Toronto... It's their easier stretch before they get, say it with me, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Jazz, and the Nets. After the, these first four games, that is the next five. And then they go on an easier road trip after that. But that is a brutal five-game swing. So Denver has to take care of business over these next few. they just got to find a way. They have to survive. They need MVP Joker. They need him to step up. Do even more than he does. And he does a lot. He does a whole heck of a lot. But they need even more. 
and it's going to be tough. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I will be at the game tomorrow uh, against the Houston Rockets, and after that I will be podcasting, so you can expect that from me. Uh, Should be fun. I hope that we see... We probably won't see great basketball, but I hope we see winning basketball. That would be the that would be the hope. Uh, let's let's say Michael Porter Jr. just hits nine threes. That would be a great way to get out of this stretch, this back-to-back stretch, with at least a semblance of positivity. That'll do it for this one. I will talk to you guys very soon.